So today I would like to spend some time really focusing on our second reading of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, where he sort of lays out his argument for celibacy, for not marrying in order to be able to focus on the things of the Lord. What I want to do, though, is sort of make a connection to our first reading. Moses speaks about the role of the prophet, the one who speaks on behalf of the Lord, who actually speaks God's word. And so putting those two together, a reflection on the prophetic dimension of celibacy, prophetic dimension of celibacy for the sake of the kingdom, really trying to look at it through the lens of John Paul II's theology of the body, what he calls the language of the body, but more specifically, the prophetism of the body. The body itself and the language that has been inscribed into it, and our bodies as both male and female, speaks a certain language. By calling it the prophetism, he connects it to the Old Testament, the way the prophets in their words, but like Ezekiel, also in their bodies, spoke God's word to Israel. So what does this mean? How how can we come to understand this, particularly as, God willing, future priests? What does it look like to live the prophetism of celibacy in our own bodies? I think that the, the first thing that should come to mind, that the first prophetic word, is eschatological. Sure, you've studied it by now, that we are celibate or we choose celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. Then the way that we live by renouncing the good of marriage, we are pointing to the next world, to heaven, where, as Jesus says, we are neither married nor are given in marriage. So our very bodies, our very sex bodies as male and female, speak that language by renouncing marriage. And in our very pervasively erotic world, that witness, or the prophetic witness of celibacy, is very provocative. It engages the mind and it engages consciences. However, this language is an objective language. It's one that, yes, we choose to live that way, but by the very fact that we are not married and that we choose this for the sake of the kingdom is something that, in a sense, speaks for itself. But am I reflecting on this and maybe drawing from some of the notes from sexual ethics, I realize that the body also can have two other prophetic dimensions. I'm sure it can have a lot of more than two prophetic dimensions, but two that I want to focus on today that are more subjective that we do take and we speak ourselves, that we have to intend to do it. And the first is through the eyes, the way that we see the world and the way that we see others speaks a prophetic word. Our celibacy speaks through, our chastity speaks through the way that we look at other people. We know the Beatitude, blessed are those who are pure of heart, for they shall see God. And also, because you are seeing God, you are going to be able, through your purity of heart, to see others as God sees them. 
to actually be able to convey the sight of Christ and show others the way that they are seen. So celibacy is not just about the renunciation of the good of marriage, but it is an appeal to the heart. It's about the way that we see others, and that sight comes from our heart. Father Paolo Prosperi, who teaches at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and the Family in Rome, writes beautifully about this, about how our sight conveys the sight of Jesus. He writes, how did Christ see and love people? How did he gaze upon the world? Christ saw everything, the flower, the bird, the Samaritan woman, as well as each one of his disciples as a gift of the Father. It's coming to him, as it were, out of the bottomless mystery of the Father. Better yet, Jesus saw his disciples as a gift of the Father entrusted to his care, as a gift to be cared for and to give his life for. And so, through this prophetism of the body, through the prophetism of celibacy, we are able to see others as gift, as person, as mystery, not as objects, not as things, and more importantly, to help them see themselves as Christ sees them. This is how the Spirit works through our eyes and through our vision. But third, and probably most importantly, the heart speaks a certain word. The heart is a prophet, not just in the way that we see other people, but in the way that we love other people. The way that we love others as celibates for the sake of the kingdom. It is a different way of loving. One that is such a rare gift, a rare prophetic word in our world. Whereas married love, as good as it is, the love of the heart is focused on the other. That one other person whom you give yourself completely to. But the love of the one who lives this prophetism of celibacy has a heart open to all. The love of the celibate speaks an expansiveness of love. A love that does not grasp. A love that does not hold on to the beloved. But as we've discussed before in sexual ethics, it is a love that is exhibited by possession in detachment. Affirming the existence of the other person, but also affirming their freedom to let them be who they are, who God created them to be, to not hold them back. For those who haven't read it, Pope Francis's Patris Corde on St. Joseph talks so beautifully about this, how Joseph is the most chaste father and his expansiveness of the heart loved others as God loved them, with the very heart of the Father, a heart that is open to all, a heart that does not grasp. But keeping these three things in mind, the prophetism of the body and the renunciation of marriage, the sight and the heart, there needs to be, though, a prophetic effectiveness. How is it that our prophetism of the body proves to be effective in the lives of, the, of others. Without a doubt, there's got to be the grace of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit moving in our lives, but I think we can see a hint of this answer in today's Gospel. Jesus, who is the very Word of God, speaking today 
the people were astonished because he taught them as one having authority or power and not as the scribes. This is exhibiting Jesus' own confidence in his identity and his mission and in his ability to speak effectively to those whom he encounters. And so for the celibate priest or the seminarian who is growing in this discipline, we have to realize that when we see, when we love, when we exist in our bodies, we have to do so with authority. The one who loves, the one who is a prophet with authority and power, not as a eunuch, not as a tame, not as one who sees this as imposed on him as something that cripples his freedom and his ability to love. There has to be a confidence in the call, a confidence in the gift, and a confidence in your own purity of heart if that prophetic word of celibacy is going to be effective. Working in and through all the hearts that you encounter, anything that sort of denigrates that, our own self-doubt, our own shame, is something that needs to be worked through and cast away so that we can preach it effectively. In conclusion, this is all assuming that this prophetic celibacy is effective, that it can and does change the people whom we see, change your parishioners whom you love and you welcome in to the expansiveness of your heart. But the reality is, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen for the first time you get in the parish and you begin to see and love people. It takes time. It often takes years of work, of seeing the other, of loving the other, of being present to them for you to be able to see fruit, growth, or change, to break down that hardness of heart that we heard about today in the responsorial of Psalm, of so many who are skeptical of the church, so many who are wounded by others. And like the prophets of old, some will reject that message. There is no doubt. Be prepared for it. But we do not give up. We press on in hope, believing that the prophetic word of a celibacy lived well and loving well in the world is the witness, is the word that the world and church needs today. Amen.